Father, we just want to thank you for the honor and the privilege and the opportunity to celebrate and to worship you on Sabbath. Father, we ask for rest. We ask for restoration. We ask, God, for peace that transcends our understanding. Father, help us to not focus on our problems. Help us not focus in the things that we are going through right now. But, Lord, help us to look to you. Help us not to look down. Help us not look side, left to right, but look up. Look up to the heavens and to know that, God, that you are a God who is alive. And, God, who is here with us, God, here today, right now as we speak. Father, we invite your presence here in this place. For if your presence is not here with us, everything we do, God, is in vain, Lord. So, God, we ask for the touch of the Holy Spirit as you transition now to your message. I pray, God, for the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing, God, in your sight, O Lord. Help it to be pure and right and upright before you, God. I do not stand here because, God, I think, God, I deserve to be here. For I know that I am the least and I know that I do not deserve. But, Lord, it's by your grace, God, that we are all here today. So, God, we give all glory to you. Let no one take the center of the stage but you alone, Father. We put you as the center of our hearts. We lay down our crowns. We lay down our rights. We lay down all of our worries. We lay it at your feet, O oh Lord. Lord, be pleased with our worship. Be pleased with our offering. Father, it's all about obedience. And God, for a broken spirit, God, you will not deny. Father, we are here. Come, lead us, guide us, strengthen us today. We thank you, we love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. All right, so I'll take a seat and let's take a moment to greet one another. Okay, uh, let's get right into today's scripture. Um, it's going to be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting from verse 1 to 10. And the title today is called Stand Firm. Let's turn to our neighbors and say, Stand Firm. Stand firm. And with that, let's go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 10, starting from verse 1. It says this, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. Repeat after me, gospel. gospel. I preach to you which you received and which you have taken your stand, meaning stand firm. Repeat after me, stand firm. Stand firm. Verse 2, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 other brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Verse 7, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born, for I am the least of the apostles. Again, this is Paul speaking. Paul is the writer here. I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Because, why? Because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Let's go right into it. We have three points here today. Point number one is this. It says, grow downward. Repeat after me. Grow downward. Turn to your neighbors and say, grow downward. 
That's a weird thing to say because usually you say grow up and grow upward and not sideways but grow up, right? Be big, but grow down. Why? Have you ever seen the image of the carrots, the two carrots? One is big and one is small, but they show the root, the bottom of the floor. The one that has the big carrot has no root, little root. And the one that has a small carrot outward has big root. Don't be that carrot with the size and no root. You may fool everyone. You may look good on the outside. You may look good right now. You may fool everyone, but you will never fool God. For God sees and he knows everything. One day, your works, the works that you have built up for yourself, who you are, it will be shown for what it is. Let's take a look at verse 1 and 2. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preach to you which you receive and which you have taken your stand, meaning stand firm. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And all that, meaning everything that you have believed in, if you don't have the gospel as a center, if the gospel is not the center, it's not the root of your faith, then everything that you have done is all in vain. All that was for nothing. The truth is, the truth is, guys, the truth is, listen to me carefully, you have to be rooted in the Lord. This is a must. This, there are no shortcuts to this. If your foundation, if your foundation and your root in God is weak, you will all fall away and you will not last in the kingdom of God. It's not if, but when. And you will. And you will fall. And when you fall, what will you fall upon? Is it the love of God? Is it the grace of God? Is it, are you rooted in God? Or are you rooted in shallowness? Are you rooted in yourself? The result, if you believe, if you don't have the root of God in your life, you'll believe every type of preaching, every teaching. And if you're not filled with the word of God, you will not stand firm in the truth and you will believe every cunning teaching. You'll be deceived by every type of teachings that you hear in this day and age. Let's take a look at Ephesians 4.14. It's not up on the screen, but I'm going to go ahead and read Ephesians 4.14 for your reference. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of teaching, every wind of teaching, by new teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people, meaning tricks of people in their deceitful scheming, so clever so clever that it sounds like the truth, it sounds good, but how will you know that it's a cunning teaching if you don't have the truth in your life? If you're not filled with the right type of teaching, if you don't have the truth in your life, then you're going to be tossed back and forth, left and right. When someone brings you a new thing, a new remedy, a new teaching, you're going to be like, oh wow, amazing. You're going to jump on board and you're going to go right into it. But if you have the truth of God in your life, you will have discernment and your foundation will be strong. Let's take a look at verse 3 to 6. It says this, For I, what I received, I pass on to you as the first importance. What is the gospel? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. That Christ died for your sins. That he was buried. And that he was what? Raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. As Christians, we have hope. It's not, we don't just serve a God who, who, Jesus Christ, who is on the crucifix. He remains dead on the cross. He is a God that died on the cross and he rose again, meaning he conquered death. If anyone here can conquer death, you can conquer anything. Because death is the end of all. 
But the fact that Jesus, he conquered death and he rose again. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And, and, and it's not just something that happened and, and, and no one saw. It says there were witnesses. Remember, when you go to court, when you do anything, you need witnesses. You need people to have credibility in your word, in, your, in, in what you say. You could tell Ronnie, hey, I have all these things and I have, a, I have a Maserati. I have all these different crazy things. Just believe my words. That's it. But you need credible witnesses. And here Paul is talking about Cephas, Peter. And then to the twelve, the disciples. After that, he appeared, what, more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So here is saying when, when it says here that some have fallen asleep, meaning they are no longer in this world. They have passed on. But they're not dead. Yes, they are dead, but they're sleeping because one day they will wake. Even in death, it's a reminder that even in death as Christians, that even when we go through funerals, that when someone that we know and that we love and who are Christians who die and they face their final breath and they die. That as followers of Christ, that we have hope in Christ because Jesus conquered death. And in him, even in death, we are only sleeping. Though some have fallen asleep. So again, grow downward. Meaning, your root is a center in the gospel. Do you believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins? And that he rose again from the dead in three days? That because he conquered death, because he conquered the sin that, that we are so rooted in, that he has given us hope. Do you believe in the gospel of God, the truth of God? Do you believe it today? Are you rooted in the gospel? Or are you rooted in your own teachings, in your own feelings, every type of teaching, left and right? Many were saying Jesus did not raise from the, he was not raised from the dead. It was a hoax. People made it up. But Paul here is saying, Look, there are credible witnesses. It's the truth. Are you centered in that truth that God was raised from the dead and that he conquered death? Do you believe it? Do you have that in your life? Meaning you have to be rooted downward. Downward. You have to have that as your center, as your, as your truth. Number two, grow in character, not in reputation. Turn to your neighbor and say, grow in character, never in reputation. Say it again so they understand. And Tony's like, wait, what? Grow in reputation? Grow in what? Not grow? What? Okay, grow in character, not in reputation. Reputation is what people think you are. It's who people think you are. Character is who you are. I'll say it again. Reputation is what people think you are. Character is who you are. In my phone, oh, it's in the back, but in my phone, I have an image of a mountain. It's a beautiful, I love scenery. I love mountains. Right? I love mountains more than beaches. I don't understand why people like water so much, but I love the mountains. I love the nature. I love hiking, anything with mountains. And I have this image with a mountain which reflects the water. So I guess I like lake, right? So it reflects the water and whatever is shown on the top, on, on the top of the image, the mountain, it has a perfect reflection on the bottom of the image of the mountain. And I love that because that's my prayer, that whatever is shown on the outside, that it's a reflection of my downward. So this ties in with point number one, 
that whatever I show is not something that I am pretending to be. It's the foundation of who I really am. It's the image of the mountain, and I have it on my phone. It's a reminder. And, and I heard at a conference, I went, I went about three years ago at, at this conference, I heard a pastor share his prayer. He said, Lord, do not use me beyond, meaning exceeding my character. And I was so challenged by that prayer. The prayer of, Lord, do not use me beyond or exceeding my character. Unfortunately, that is the case many times for us, for me, for many times that we see leaders, we see people around us, that they are given more than what they can hold. What happens if you're given more than what you can hold? It overflows and eventually it will get destroyed. It will break. And, we are, and, some, and many times we are given way too much, way too soon. But God is in the business of the crockpot business. Right? Not instant, not instant lamin, instant transmission, all that instant stuff that we see. But God is in the business of crockpot. He takes time and he goes by his, his own timing. When someone wins the lottery or someone becomes famous, like real quick, overnight, or you become a YouTube sensation, right? One day Brian will be a YouTube sensation. And we'll be like, oh, we know him. And then he'll like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, his brother said that. Your brother said that. So that means something. <laughs> There's some stuff going on between you two. So, and we say things like, congrats. That's amazing. But really, the question is, is it really? We see children who become famous quick. Children below the age of eight. Below the age of 12 or a teenage age, they become famous. They become children's celebrities. And we see what happens as a result when they get a lot of money, when they get the fame right away, when they don't have worldly experience, when they, don't have the, when they didn't get a side job or they didn't learn what it means to get a job, what it means to save, what it means to learn the life, the, the, the discipline of life. And yet they're given quick. And we see the downfall. And we see a lot of children's celebrities. They don't last in the business. A lot of them, they get involved with drugs, they get involved in things because they were exposed way too soon. Therefore, our prayer and my prayer is that, Lord, let my upward and the exterior, don't let, please let not my upward and exterior be too big for me to handle. Do not let my house become too big, too big for my foundation. Help me in my faith and in my character, in my integrity to go deep and let my foundation be strong in you and in you alone. A lot of times as Christians, we're like that funhouse mirror. You know, we like to distort ourselves. People who are short, they like to make themselves look shorter. No, I'm kidding. They like to make themselves look taller. People who are too tall, they like to make themselves look shorter. Distorting ourselves, misleading others to think that I am somehow better than I really am. And that's not how it should be in the kingdom of God. We say, fake it till you make it. They say, the world says do it. But the truth is, that's not how it should be. What you do in private will reflect in the pulpit. And I remember a pastor at the same conference, it was, it was all about challenges to young pastors. It was a challenge, and that challenged me tremendously during this conference. And we need to remember that character equals humility. People with character are people with humility. Again, let's take a look at this. Let's go back to the scripture. Let's go to verse 7 through 9. Again, this is Paul speaking. He says this. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Paul is saying, 
Here are the witnesses. He appeared to Cephas. He appeared to all these individuals, the disciples, to James, to all the apostles. And he says this. And last of all, Paul puts himself as last because he was the last. He, he says, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to what? What, what does he call himself? To one abnormally born. Meaning he is a very, very, very special case. Verse 9, for I am the least, he says, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. Paul here in this statement, he has a deep sense of humility here. What is the definition of humility? Humility is not this, okay? It's not this. It's not, oh, I suck. I am worthless. I am no good. Oh, God, I'm like warm. I'm so, oh, you can't use me. Oh, no. That is not a definition of humility. That is a definition of low confidence and not knowing your worth. Definition of humility is this. is recognizing God's work in you. I'll say it again. It's recognizing God's work in you. It's understanding how God sees who I am. Understanding that how God sees who I am. Understanding and acknowledge, acknowledging that it is by God's grace that I am able to be, to do, to serve, to love, to do anything. If you're in the priest team, it's by God's grace that I'm able to do anything. Being confident. It's about being confident in your abilities and knowing what you bring to the table. Did you hear what I said? It's about being confident in your abilities and knowing what you bring to the table. It's about putting others' interests above my own, above myself. Andy, he's pretty good. He thinks he's a prodigy. He thinks he's pretty good with the keyboard, right? And then we need help with Andy with praise team. Andy, can you do something like this? And he's like, and then Andy's like, no, you guys, I'm humble. Oh, I'm like warm. Please don't bother me. Ask Ron. He's pretty good too. I'm so humble. Oh, I can't play right now. It's like, what? What are you doing, Andy? That's fake. Stop being fake. Humility is understanding and acknowledging. It is by God's grace that I'm able to do anything, to serve, to love, do anything. Being confident in your abilities and knowing what you bring to the table. So I'm putting others' interests above my own. That's humility. Why is this important? Let's take a look at verse 7 to 9 one more time. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and the last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. If it was left at that, then it's like, oh, okay, Paul, I, I see you least and... I see why you see yourself as least and because you persecuted the church of God. I see and I understand. But what does he say after? He says in verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says again, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. What does he say? No, I worked harder than all of them. He said he worked harder than all of them. That's pretty like, whoa, like, yeah, I worked harder than all of you. Like, it's like, whoa, it's like, what is this? Like, is he humble? Like, what's, what's he doing? I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul here, he's not being arrogant here. Again, he knows his worth. He knows what he can bring to the table. He knows what he's doing. He, he has no regrets in his journey, in his walk with God. 
That's humility. He has confidence in his abilities. He knows what he brings to the table. Paul can say with confidence, with confidence, that he worked harder than the rest. Why? Because he did. He did. He wrote majority of the New Testament. He went to all these regions, different places. He challenged Peter face to face. He worked harder than all of them, and he's being very honest. It's like what we share during missions, right? I don't know if you remember Arlene, or in our mission meetings, when we had our times of you know reflection and discipline and things, when we had to go through things. I remember me sharing with the mission team that when this trip ends, I don't know if you remember, but when this trip ends, that I can say 100, with 100% confidence before God that I will have no regrets. Do you remember that, Arlene? You remember that conversation, mission team? That I, will, I will do it with, that I won't have any regrets. I will look back and I can say confidently after this mission trip ends that I have no regrets. How? Because I know how hard I worked. I know that I didn't make excuses. I know that even though I wasn't perfect, I knew that I wanted to honor God. And this is why I told the mission team. I told the mission, I don't know if you guys remember, I told you, check yourself. Check yourself today because if you don't, don't live in a life where you're going you're gonna to give, do it half-hearted. And then later when the trip ends, two weeks later when you get home, you say, oh, I wish at that time I should have done this or that. You got to live in the moment. You got to remember that everything you do, you do it for God. And that moment and that opportunity is all for God and it's important. You have to check yourself. Check yourself. Right? We hear all the time, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself. Check your faith right now. And also remember that our church, this deep roots church, is no slouch church. When we look at churches, we look at the outside, we look at the outward appearance, we look at the programs, we look at the things that they're doing. Don't be deceived by size or by performance of activities or events. A lot of times these are just masks for wanting to not go deep in what's really going on inside your heart. Again, these things are not bad things. Activities, events, those things are not bad. But a lot of times we just work outward in when we have to truly be changed from the inside out. Anyone can play the part. Anyone can look the part. Anyone can act the part. The question is, who are you? Are you a genuine, real follower of Christ? Or are you just pretending and acting? You know, one of the greatest deceptions when I was younger uh, was when I watched Jurassic Park in 1993. In 1993, that's when I first came to America. And again, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of movies. I love movies, by the way. I don't know if you noticed. I love movies. Uh, because there were times where, when I was young, when you know, I was moving from town to town, a uh, movie was, it just brought comfort to me. And I remember I was watching Jurassic Park. I didn't understand what they were saying. I didn't know English at that time. I think I was like seven or eight or something. I remember I was watching. And like, Jurassic Park was the greatest deception because I was pretty sure it was real. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I've never seen something like that before. And I'm like, this has to be real. But I know dinosaurs don't exist. And my uncle would trick me, like, yeah, it's real. Like, it's real. I'm like, he like, played with me, manipulating me. I'm like, whoa, it is? But the truth is, anyone can act the part. Anyone can look the part. But it's not reality. We have to be real and genuine Christians. And we have to be rooted in the word. Of God. So just to just to go back, again, number one is what? Grow downward. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, grow downward. <laughs> Number two, grow in. Antonia, grow in. Character, not in reputation. Good. Now, leading to number three. Grow in faithfulness, not in fruitfulness. I'll say it again. Grow in faithfulness, not in fruitfulness. Grow in faithfulness in order to be fruitful. Not when I am, faith when I am fruitful, then I'll be faithful to God. No, it doesn't work that way. It's that song with... Uh, Shane and Shane, though you slay me, right? Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. I come, God, I come. I return to the Lord, the one who's broken, the one who's torn me apart, who you struck me down to bind me up. You say you do it all in love that I might know you in your suffering. It's a song, it's a story of Job. It's understanding that even though God slays us, we will lift up our hands and we will worship, we will praise Him. Though you have taken from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. And that's exactly what Job did. He lifted up his hands. So guys, we have to grow in faithfulness, not in fruitfulness. For any time, God can give and he can take away. If our faith is dependent on what we have and what we attain from God, then we know that we are immature Christians, that our faith falls short, that in times of trouble, that when hard times come, that we will not last. But adversity comes. It's to reveal to who you really are. It shakes you. Everything looks good when, every, when there's no earthquakes. When there's no shaking, everything looks good. But when there's shaking, when there's shaking and there's, there's earthquake, we see the result, what the foundation of that building was. A lot of times, new buildings don't last. They look nice, they're new, but a lot of times the old ones, they stay standing because the foundation is strong. Romans 5, verse 3 to 4, it says this, not only that, but we also rejoice, meaning glory, we glory, we rejoice in our sufferings. Repeat after me, rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance meaning endurance. Perseverance, endurance, character. And character, hope. Character, hope. Hope in God. Because He conquered death. And because He lives, I live. Average stay for pastors in any church, uh, sadly, is one, two, three years. Uh, as our church, We've been together for many years now. And many times people give up quick because things don't go the way that they want. Uh, they envision their life to be going. And what we envision is that we envision in our own timing and that's the problem. We need to understand that God does everything in his own timing. God says no. Instead, it's all about being steadfast for the right things. When God says no, then it is no. If he says yes, then he will open doors. But it's about waiting and being steadfast for the right things of God. There's a pastor that shared, he's been doing this ministry for a long time, for many years. I believe over 25 years. 
and he got offers from another church, and they were going to pay for everything, like his salary, uh, uh, his pension, his salary was going to be skyrocketed, pension, you know, everything. Um, just just uh, healthcare, uh, life insurance with pension, and all these different things, benefit, all these benefits, and they wanted him back, and um, they wanted to take him, and they were offering him all these amazing things, only all these amazing benefits. And he says in his testimony that he said no. And people around him were saying, he rejected the offer, and people around him were saying, why would you do that? Why would you do such a thing? And it's because he wanted to be faithful in God and where God has called him to be. You know, and I, and I was so ch- touched by the testimony because that, that story is our church's testimony. Now, at that time, I didn't know that was what was going to happen right, with us and all these different things that went down afterwards. But I believe that God was getting you ready from that conference just with all the testimonies of these amazing older pastors who did amazing things, who are, who are still doing amazing things for the, the things of God. A lot of times when we, did, when we started our church, the question is, why not join a big church? Why not go to a big church? Why would you do this? Why would you risk it all to venture into the unknown? And my answer is simple. I will risk it all because I know that my God is with me. I know for, for he guides me, for he leads me. And that's the story, and that's the narrative of the gospel all throughout the scripture. If you look at Abram, Abraham, if you look at his story, his journey was not an easy journey. Imagine, he was the first one that he got the promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. That it will begin with you, Abraham. It will be a long and treacherous journey that will test you to the bones. You have to leave your hometown. You're going to go into, into the unknown. And, you're gonna, and, and the way that you're going to know is that you're going to be led by me and by me alone. Again, they were given a promise that they were going to have a child the offspring to be numerous as the stars, that they're going to be a great nation, like the nation of Israel. And then through, the, through Abraham, we see the lineage, David, Rahab, and we see, we see it all throughout, Ruth and Boaz, and we see it all throughout. Eventually, Jesus comes into the picture. And through Jesus, all nation will be saved. And we see the story of Abraham, that his circumstance, it was impossible it was impossible. But they had faith despite being childless. At the age of 75, I want you to just picture this. At the age of 75, Abraham was given the promise that he would have a son. I mean, 75 is pretty old, right? To begin with, it's pretty old. His wife was 10 years younger, Sarah, so she was 65. So imagine. You know, God gives you this promise like, oh, 60, oh, she's pretty old. My wife's pretty old. I don't know. But Abraham, he's 75. <laughs> you know, he's like, you're old too, Abraham. What are you talking about? But it isn't until Abraham is 100 years old. Sarah is at the age of 90 where this promise comes true. Right, Isaac. It took them 25 years. Were they perfect in their journey? Nope. They were not. Sound like Jerry. Nope. But both of them, <laughs> but both of them were faithful. They were faithful to God. Here's a, here's the thing. Sometimes Christianity is about the repeated things, but the truth is to find joy in the repeated things. So many people want different surroundings, relationships, jobs, settings, 
because they are not fulfilled and they go from one thing to another. Again, if it's the right season, yes. But sometimes we do it way too soon. Every two years, every three years, imagine. I'm serving at a church every two years, three years. How am I going to build a relationship? It's like, oh, nice to know you. You, you leave before, if you're a youth pastor, before they even graduate high school, you're gone. How are you going to build a meaningful relationship? How are you going to have credibility before people when you just go off and you just, you go from one thing to another, one thing to another? It's about being faithful where you are. The truth is about being faithful to God no matter where you are. Being faithful where you are. And with that, I'm reminded in Mark 5. It's a story of the demon-possessed man, one of my favorite stories, where Jesus, he literally goes to the other side. And I had the amazing privilege and the honor to be able to go to this region with the boat. Uh, we took the boat to the Sea of Galilee. We got to the other side. And we were able to witness as my professor shared the story. And it was sharing that as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, I mean, he was so strong. He would break chains. And he was just so strong. He begged Jesus. He begged to go with him to Jesus. He's free now. And this man, now he wants to follow Jesus. The man who was once lost and now he wanted to follow. Imagine the first time being saved. Like the excitement that you have. You want to follow Jesus Christ. But it says in this story that Jesus said no. Jesus did not let him follow him. Instead, what did Jesus tell him? Jesus told the demon, once demon-possessed man, he told him this. He said, go home and tell everyone your story. In verse 19, he says, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So in verse 20, the next verse, he says, so the man went away he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This region, Gerasenes, Decapolis, is not a Jewish region. Right? We understand that because there are pigs, they're raising pigs. Jews don't have any association with pigs. This is an area where it's the other side. The disciples don't want to go here. I mean, just imagine this man. He lived his whole life in demon possession, and he meets the Savior, and he's saved, and Jesus is about to leave the boat, and he asks, Jesus, let me go with you. And many of us, when Jesus saves us, we want to follow him. I remember when I was first saved, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go. Even though I, was, I, I had experience with short-term missions and things, and I wanted to do more. I wanted to do long-term missions. I wanted to follow God. I remember before I started seminary, it was a decision whether I stay in China for one year and work in the region of Yanji to help a missionary before I start seminary or I start seminary and then I'm going to go back and help after I had the foundation with seminary. Many times we want to do it in our own timing. We say things, Jesus, let me go with you. I want to follow you. But what does Jesus tell him? Don't come with me. He says, stay where you are. Go home to your family and tell how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus tells him, go, stay, and go tell your story. And many times, Jesus, he tells us, he tells us the same thing. Many times we want different things. We want the outside things. We want change. But a lot of times, when God saves us, he tells us to stay and to be faithful. When was the last time you stayed. You told your family and friends of all that Christ has done for you. And what's amazing with this is there's an amazing twist to this. In Mark 5, right? A few chapters later, Mark 8, 
We see the story of the feeding of the 4,000. Again, they're in the region of Gerasenes. This is a region of the region around Decapolis. This is not a Jewish region. And Jesus is there again. He's feeding 4,000. Again, 4,000 is just men recorded. So there's a lot more children, women. So the number is double here. And then the disciples respond. When Jesus is saying we have to feed them, Jesus says, the disciples respond, but Jesus, where in this remote, desolate, wilderness place can anyone get food to feed them, right? The disciples are not really happy. It's like, oh, these are like people that we're not familiar with. Jesus is like, where are we going to find food? But again, I believe in Mark 5 that through the saving of this one man, of him sharing his faith and his testimony, how God saved him from demon possession, as people saw and witnessed, the word got out when Jesus came in Mark 8. Many gather to see what, who Jesus was and what this was all about. Through the faithfulness of one man, one man, later, many encountered Jesus face to face. Now, I'm just speculating here, but I believe that through the testimony of this one individual, many became curious and came to see Jesus in market. Faithfulness, not fruitfulness. It's always in that order. Faithfulness, be faithful. Don't seek riches. Don't seek outside things. Always start from the inside out. Be faithful with where you are, where God has called you to be. The moment you're awake, the moment you're awake tomorrow, when you wake up from your sleep, you have to get ready. You have to spiritually be ready. You have to pray. You have to give and honor your day before God. It's like I always envision, like, like spiritually speaking, you know, when it says the armor of God, the belt buckle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword, the, the word of God, the shield of faith. And I was envisioning, like, you guys ever watched Troy, you know, with Hector, like, when he's, like, getting ready? It's, like, a pretty cool scene. It's, like, it's, like getting ready. He's, like, all serious. Like, <laughs> I was envisioning that, just getting ready for the day. Because at the end of the day, we're not just servants and slaves, but we are also, we're, yes, we're called to be humble and meek, but at the same time, God calls us to be warriors for God. A warrior, a soldier, is always faithful to God, is always faithful to God's order, not the world's, not the world's influence. You live and you serve the king, and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Get ready to put on your spiritual armor of God. And in closing, I'm closing with this. The problem is, as Christians, we don't fight enough. We don't fight enough. We are passive. It started from Adam. When Adam was in the garden with Eve, as Eve was being tempted, Adam was passive, and he says he stood right there as she was being tempted, and he did nothing. The problem is, right now, we are not fighting enough. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It says in Philippians 1, 6, that for I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. The key here is continue to work out your salvation. Don't get lazy. 
work out your salvation with fear and triumph. It's twofold. You have to continue. You have to continue to work out your, your salvation. Number one, the first fold is this. Work out means to continue to work out. Work at it until you bring it into completion and fruition. In our Christian journey, we do so by actively pursuing after God and God pursuing us. And this process is called sanctification. Right? That's why A.W. Tozer, he wrote the book, The Pursuit of God and God's Pursuit of Men. It's about straining on, pressing on to the goal of walking in Christ's likeness. The second fold, number two, is fear and trembling. Now, fear and trembling is a healthy thing. You know, it's a healthy fear of offending God through the sin and the rebellion and the disobedience in my life. It's to have awe and respect and reverence to God. It's understanding the majesty of God. It's about understanding the holiness of God. It's about knowing that God is with us. And as Christians, we have to be ready to fight. Be ready to fight. Do not be passive. Do not be standstill. But just be ready to fight the good fight. Be ready every single day. Again, what is it saying? To work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We need to continue fighting. Amen? Men of God, keep fighting. Women of God, keep fighting. Fight for each other. Pray for each other. Intercede on behalf of each other. Challenge one another. Be there for each other with true love for one another. What was the points? Number one, grow downward. Number two, not in reputation. Number three, faithfulness, not in fruitfulness. And in closing, what we need to do, be spiritually ready. Put on the armor of God. Be ready to fight the good fight. The three main points today. Amen? With that, I'm going to invite the priest to come up. message today is to stand firm to stand firm in the Lord, to stand firm in the truth and in the gospel of the truth of God you will not last if you are not filled with the word of God, we will not you will be distracted you will be consumed by the worries of this life you are going to allow your feelings to dictate and you are going to be tossed back and forth, left and right front and back by all kinds of deceitful teachings you need to be filled with the word of God you need to be filled with the truth of God today right now it's a reminder for us not just as a church but for you as an individual right now that you are called to stand firm remind yourself today to stand firm stand upon this truth upon the gospel that God is challenging us that God is challenging you right now today to stand firm in your faith. 
It's so easy to fall. If you're not filled with the Word of God, you'll be filled with something else. You have to be filled with the Word of God. You have to be filled with Him and God and God alone. Everything else is secondary. God is the center. God is the first. First and foremost, He's the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega. So right now at this time, let's take a moment right now to reflect upon the message today. Let's ask God to come and to speak to us and to challenge us and to remind ourselves again of the truth of the gospel, of who God is and who I really am. We're not called to be frauds. We're not here to pretend or to look holy, holier than thou. God is not interested in the outward experience. God is not interested in your feelings or the emotions or how much you cry. But He cares about repentance. Repentance is stop doing what you're doing, turning from your way of sin and turning back to God. And we need to turn back to God. God is reminding us again to stand firm with where He has called you. Do not get distracted with the lights and all these other things, temptations. Stay faithful to what God has given you. Don't outgrow your character. For God has given you just enough and we have to be faithful in the small things. If you are not faithful in the small things, you will not be faithful when big things come. You will not be faithful in all things if you're not faithful in the small things. If you're only good to those who are good to you, you're only good to those who are, who are people who are in a place of, of position or power. And you are, and, and you are out overlook people on the street or even in, in, in restaurants. And people who, are, who cannot give anything back to you with favor. And we know that we are doing something wrong. We are called to honor. Honor God first and foremost and honor all people. No matter what creed, color, status, we're called to love one another. And that is a challenge for us as Christians today. For you today, for our church today, to stand firm in the faith and in the word of God. So right now, we need to reflect. Reflect in your heart right now. Who am I? Why do I do what I do? Who am I in, in the light of the gospel? In the truth of the gospel? Am I standing firm in the truth and the message of the gospel today? Pray together. Father, we just want to thank you once again for reminding us to stand firm in our faith, Father. Help us to stand our ground, God, in our identity and in who we are. Help us to be faithful in where you have called us, Lord. Help us to be faithful in the responsibilities and the places that you have called us, Lord. Help us to do it right seeking wisdom and discernment from you, knowing that, God, that you are with us, Lord. Lord, help us to truly grow, not just upward, but, Lord, downward. Help us to grow in our character, not in reputation. Father, help us to do it right, to write for the kingdom of God, to seek your face every single day, every moment and every season, to grow in faithfulness and never in fruitfulness. Father, help us to be faithful with the places and the decisions. In the, way, in the place where you have called us to be. Father, help us to put on the armor of God and to be ready every day to fight the good fight. Help us not to be passive, 
Help us not to get lost in our thoughts or in our feelings or in our emotions. Father, help us to look to the truth, the truth of the gospel. Father, we seek your face. We honor you today. We thank you for this time. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Just cross my prayer. And God's people pray.